in our spirits. Allow us, O oh God, to do your great and mighty and holy will. Allow us to feel after the presence of Almighty God. Amen and amen. Thank God. Everybody said praise the Lord. Well, I'd like you to take a moment, and uh, if you have a Bible, and turn to a very, very important passage of Scripture. Sure, they're all important. That's the truth. Uh, John chapter 3 in your Bible. John chapter 3. And it does begin, I believe, in verse 1 to tell you that there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus and that he was a ruler of the Jews. And the same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do the miracles that thou doest except God be with him. And then Jesus, he just cut right to the chase. He didn't banter about any conversation, how's your family or whatever. He just went right to it, and he said, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Therefore, if a man is born again, he can see the kingdom of God. I'd like you to put that in the most positive light this morning. I'd also like you to turn your attention to Luke. So if you flip back a little bit, Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4. I want to say we're welcome to each and every one that's here. And we've got a nice attendance downstairs of children that are being taught the ways of God. And I hope you're happy about that. All right. In Luke chapter 4 and verse 5, I'd like for you to pay attention to the part where the Scripture said here that the devil told Jesus in verse 5 that he... He took him and he showed him all the kingdoms of this world in a moment of time. Okay? Showing him the kingdoms of this world. You may be seated. The Lord bless you. I'd like you to note <clears throat> the tremendous difference. Sometimes there are extremes. And uh, for an example, an extreme uh, in the scripture, tells you to be harmless as doves and to be wise as a serpent. Two very different extremes. And uh, they represent two very different kingdoms. Harmless as a dove is the kingdom of God, and wise as a serpent represents the power of Satan. And uh, two extremes. And here you have Jesus telling a man that has come to a place in life and he realizes that something different has come his way. It's not the same old, same old. It's not the, you know, I can be average and fit in and, you know, everybody pat each other on the back and, you know, we can, we can all get along or not. He realizes that we know that thou are the teacher come from God. Oh, there's a difference here. We got a lot of people running around that are just under their own steam doing their own thing. And many of them are talented. Many of them are 
Uh, one place in the book said about being an orator. Oh, they could speak. They could, they could string the words together and the phrases. And they could wow people. There were those uh, that Paul found himself having to face and do battle with before kings and governors. And uh, this, um, this man, Nicodemus, though he realizes something, something's different here. Something is different. There's a depth here. There's something genuine here. There's something real here. And uh, he acknowledges this. And Jesus said to him, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And again, I say unto you, so therefore, if a man is born again, then that same individual can see the kingdom of God. All right. So you see what, what being born again will do for you. You're going to get to see the kingdom of God. How many would like to see the kingdom of God? <laughs> I'd like to see the kingdom of God, right? I want to see it and I want to keep on seeing it. I want to do what the book said. He said in uh, teaching to the church, those that had gotten the born-again experience. He said, hey, he said, wherefore laying aside all malice and evil speakings, things of that nature, hypocrisies, hypocrites. Got a big smile, but there's a snake behind that smile. Hypocrisy. Jesus spoke about the seed being sown, seed being the word of God, being sown in the field, and the field was the world, people. He said, but an enemy came along, and he also sowed seed. And he said, and that seed began to come up and alongside the good seed. Now, if you've ever planted anything, Brother Weekly's got a, a garden, and when it's gardening time, and... and uh, you have to work hard to get that good seed to come up. You have to work hard to protect that good seed because there are other seeds, wild seeds that birds can bring and that the air can bring and, uh, and can be contained within the soil itself. And uh, it will produce what we know to be weeds. And it makes for a lot of work because those weeds want to grow up and choke out the good seed keep the, the person who's doing the gardening, uh, keep them from having a, a nice harvest. And, uh, and they can also breed all kinds of little varmints, <laughs> bugs of different nature that will, caterpillars, for an example, and many other type of, your grass can get a, a certain kind of bug in it that'll, I don't know, is it a chinch bug or something, and it'll, it'll destroy your nice green grass. So there are, there are those things that are against your harvest. There are those things. Abraham, the Bible said he, he had a, a sacrifice out there. But he had, to, he had to stay up. And he had to beat the different buzzards off of that sacrifice. I don't know if he took his coat off and he was flailing it around or what he used. But I'm trying to say that there's not going to be just an 
unhindered reaping of the harvest, building of new churches, accomplishing the service of God. It's not going to just happen easily. That there's going to, it's going to take some diligence. It's going to take some plain old hard work. It's going to take some application of the principles. The Bible talked about the first principles of the doctrine of Christ. And he went over some of that. And he said, when we, when we do that, and we get rooted and grounded and settled in those things, he said, then we're going we're gonna to move on. He said, this will do if God permits. But you know, sometimes God has to slow people down. And he has to check for some bugs and some varmints. Around here, half a million acres of land given over pretty much to sugarcane. And what do they do when they get ready to harvest that sugarcane? They set the field on fire, don't they? And I understand that the reason they do that is because they're going to get rid of the varmints. They don't, they don't want the workers in there alongside of bobcats and snakes and raccoons and whatever else is crawling around in there. So it's uh, something to think about here when you think about this kingdom of God. And that you get born again. And you, you're going to have to lay aside some things. You're going to have to get some things out of the way. So that we can have a, a beautiful reaping of the harvest. Now we can have truly be the light. And that we can have a life. You know, you know who, who the great men and women are? The great men and women are those. And the Bible distinguishes about being great in the kingdom of God. Versus being the least in the kingdom of God. And some, you know, there's always those smart aleck, argumentative type of people that want to uh, try to split hairs and find little ways around things. But Jesus said, you're coming in here. He said, you're coming through the door. There is no other way around it. Jesus said, Mr. Nicodemus, you got to be born again if you're going to see this. But if you get born again, you're going to see this. The devil wants to keep you from seeing what all he has for you and what all the kingdom contains. He wants to keep you stunted in your growth. I told a young man that came this morning from office, he's been coming here with his grandfather for a long time. And um, he told me, he said, you got any candy? I said, yes, I do. I said, and if you earn it if you behave today. I said, I'll give it to you after church. I said, fair enough. He said, mm-hmm. He said, I want that monitor. Because I always tell him, that's a monitor. I want that. He said, and I want that computer screen. I said, you do. I said, and what would you do with it? I don't know. That's what he said. I don't know. I said, well, you know what? Suppose you go to school and suppose you learn. Pay attention. Stay away from all those guys that are doing nothing but getting in trouble. And you, you come and you, you go to school and you learn. And then you'll know what to do with something like that. You'll have knowledge and 
you'll have input and insight and training and teaching. And you won't just be mechanical. You know, you won't just be mechanical. And uh, just going through motions. You'll read that word in the Bible, motions, particularly attached to sin, the motions of sin that want to get activated and work in a person's life. And Jesus was well aware of those, those motions in this life and in people's lives. He was well aware of an enemy that was sowing tares among the good seed. Tares were lookalikes. Tares were hypocrites. They were lookalikes. They were mechanical. They knew how to strut. They knew how to put on the dog, so to speak. They, they knew how to imitate. They knew how to mock. They knew how to do a lot of different things. They'd been around it for a long time. And they knew how to make a lookalike. And so much so that Jesus said, let them alone. Let them alone. He said, because if you go trying to tear that all up, he said, if you try to tear up the tears, <laughs> he said, you're going to... Uh, you're going to mess up everything. You're just going to destroy the good with the bad. And the, the, the good and the innocent and the harvest and the yield is going to be lost. So you let them both grow. He said, because the time will come in my kingdom when the messengers are going to come, the angels are going to come, special, specially appointed messengers and angels. And they're going to come. And they're going to reap. And they're going to be able to tell the difference. They're going to know who's mine. And they're going to harvest them out of here. They're going to thrust in the sickle and reap the harvest of the earth. There's a day coming that there's going to be a first resurrection. And believe you me, that's the one you want to be interested in. You don't want, I had a man, a young man tell me, and I say young, I'm sure he's getting close to 30. That's still young, but I'm just saying, you know, he's about that age, and you know, some of you folks are old, so I have to make the distinction. You know. Us young people down there, you know, and this young man was about 30, and and he uh, he was they were I was sitting and they were putting together a a meal, uh, and he was checking to make sure everything was done right. He worked in the kitchen; he'd come out to check everything, and. He saw me there, and I was there, and there was two other people, and that was it. It was still a little early. It was about 11 p.m. No, 11 a.m., I'm sorry. It was about 11 a.m. It was before lunch. And he said, hell is a golden road that's paved with good intentions. And he was looking at me. And I said, yeah. I said, I'll go along with that, except for the golden part. I said, there's no gold in hell. Just like there's no flesh in heaven. It's just some things that aren't in those places. There's no gold in hell. I said, other than that, I'll go along with you on that. He said, well, he said, I sure don't want to find out. He said, I don't want to go and find out. And I said, I already know. And I said, and I don't want to find out either. I don't want anything to do with that place. I don't want anything to do with the second resurrection. Because folks are going to be
cast alive into a lake of fire. Hell is going to give up the dead. The sea is going to give up the dead. And they're going to be, it's what we call the double death. They'll have already died and have already gone to hell, separated from God and everything that's good and in his kingdom, separated, can't see it, couldn't see it. And now they're going to be resurrected, stand before God, and hear their sentence, and then cast alive. With all their five senses, cast alive into the lake of fire, where hell is going to be cast into there. The sea is going to be cast into there. All the dead are going to be cast into not anything that you and I should want to be any partaker of. And so Jesus said, be born again, and you'll be able to see my kingdom. You'll be able to see the good stuff. You, you'll, you will have access to eternal life, and you can be with me for all of eternity. One of the young men asked me, he said, what does it mean when it said, in my father's house there are many mansions? And I said, well, I just got done saying that the other day, but you were downstairs teaching a Sunday school class, which was good. And I said, I told everybody that if you look at that naturally, if you look at that carnally, I said, then you've got God with a hard hat on and a roll of plans in his fist and a, and a, a belt around him with a hammer and a, and a level in his other hand and a, you know, a skill saw here and a crowbar over here and whatever. And I said, that's natural thinking. That's not what the Bible's talking about. You've, you've, I'm telling you, you've got to be born again so you can see this thing. So you can see what he's talking about. Jesus said, I'm going to Calvary to make a place for you. I'm going to make a place for you. Your name is going to be there. I've got your name and your spot and your place all picked out in the body of Christ, in the kingdom of God. Can't you see that? I want you to see that. I want you to envision that. And this morning, this morning, you're going to see that by faith. You're going to see that by faith. Faith comes by hearing the word of God. And if you will allow the God-given faith in your heart, to be germinated, to be watered, then God's going to give an increase, meaning he's going, to, he's going to birth you through the church into the kingdom of God. And you're going to, you get that by being born again. Jesus expanded that. He said you had to be born again of water and of the Spirit. And of water means we're going to baptize you in water in the name of Jesus Christ Amen. for the forgiveness of all your sins. And to be born again of the Spirit, Jesus said, receive ye the Holy Ghost. He didn't say anything about accepting him or receiving him as your personal Savior. He never said that in the Bible anywhere. But he said, receive ye the Holy Ghost. Receive ye the Holy Ghost. That's what he gave his life on the cross for, that he might purchase through the blood and the sacrifice, that he might purchase the gift of eternal life, the Holy Ghost, to you, for you to have it. And you get it after you're baptized in Jesus' name. Then you can see this kingdom. You can see it. Everybody said amen. amen. Let's give God a big hand.
But in the midst, you're going to have an experience just like Jesus did. Okay? You're going to have an experience just like him. A spirit is going to come along. One place, more than one, but particularly said, a spirit hath done this. An enemy hath done this. And a spirit presented itself to Jesus and said, uh, watch. And he showed him all the glory of the kingdom of this world. So you come down to a decision, a choice here that you've got to make. Is it going to be the kingdom of God that you're going to see? Or is it going to be the kingdom of the world? Now God's going to show you his kingdom. If you'll repent and be baptized in water in the name of Jesus Christ and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. He's going to show you his kingdom. Or, or you can continue because we're all born in sin. You know that. We all come into this to this dimension, this life, concluded under sin, born in sin. And then we get shapen, or shall we say misshapen, by lawlessness. The prince and the power of the air, the scripture teaches, that we find ourselves wrestling against. And as Paul said, when I would do good, he said, I find that there's something evil present with me. And it's, it's trying to keep me from doing the good. So the good that I would do, he said, I don't. I would go to church. I would repent of my sin. I would get baptized in the name above every name, the name of Jesus Christ. I would get the gift of the Holy Ghost. Except Satan stands at my right hand to resist me. The Spirit has risen up to twist and pervert all the good that God's got right before me. And he's showing me this world. He's showing me all the music, all the hip-hop, and all the other names, the rap. He's showing me all of the sinful things, things that destroy my life. He shows me all the drugs. shows me all the parties and all the clubs. He, he gets, gets me to experience the pleasure of sin. But he blinds my mind to the fact that that pleasure is just for a very short season. And he keeps me. He hinders me. You ever read that in the Bible? Paul said he would have done a certain thing. The Apostle Paul would have come a certain place and done a certain thing and got with certain people in the church, but he said Satan hindered. And he also said there's a great and powerful door open to do the right. He said, but there's many enemies, many adversaries, many enemies, many hindrances, many things that distract and turn me this way and turn me that way. To confuse my mind, my heart. He wants, the devil wants to show you all of the amusements and the pleasure of sin of this world. And Jesus 
This world, by the way, that's going to pass away. This world that's going to burn up. And this world that the very elements are going to melt with a fervent heat. The mountains are going to melt with a fervent heat. You know, things have what's called a melting point. It can get hot and then hotter and the temperature rises to the point that things begin to melt. Your skin at a certain temperature, you've heard of third degree burns, at a certain temperature, your skin will begin to melt. Mountains, the Bible said, are going to melt. Elements going to melt. And that's why the writer said that we should make haste. We should hurry up. We should hurry up. Well, we've got a very wonderful young man that we talked about, Brother Tony Lewis. We were just, my wife and I were, you know, we're kind of like church historians here in Dublin. And, uh, and uh, we said, I think you're five years older than you. And I'm going to tell you're 30 and you're 35. And we knew that you came when you were six. That made you 11. All right. Huh? Hear me, fellas? Look how big and strong all the Holy Ghost they are now. Huh? Thank God. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And their mama's sitting out there, and she made sure they came to church. Yes, sir. They got baptized. They got the Holy Ghost. And they come up in the church. You know, married in the church. Now having children, a child. Get a hint? Okay. Well, I told Sister Williams that good things come in bunches. And so uh, I told her I think we need a little Marie running around here. Yeah, Lord. Anyway. Yeah, Tommy has got to have a, a sister in the Lord, you know. And the church has got to grow. So you got to do your part. <laughs> well, anyway, what I'm saying to you, not, hopefully not to lose my point, that God, God wants to show you his kingdom. And the devil wants to show you the world. The world that's going to pass away. The world that's going to melt with a firm heat. The heavens that are going to roll together like a piece of paper rolled up. And the stars are going to fall. Any idea how big a star is? Bigger than this planet. The smallest star is bigger than this planet. Oh, yeah. The moon. The moon is going to turn into blood, the book said. And the sun is going to be darkened. Darkened. Not give her light. That's a star. You know the sun is a star. And it's going to be extinguished. It's going to be put out like you would flip a light off. That's what's going to happen to this world. But you know the good thing is? The kingdom of God, he said, I'm going to make a new heaven and a new earth. The same creator. There's only one God in the beginning. God created heaven and the earth. That same creator whose name was revealed by one of his angels came and said, Mary, 
you're going to have a baby. And that holy thing, you're going to call him Jesus. He's going to save his people from their sins. Not going to save them in their sin, because that's not being saved. You're going to save them or deliver them from their sins. Oh, yeah. That same creator said, I'm going to make a new heaven and a new earth. I'm going to dispose of the old heaven and the old earth. And it's going to fall. I'm going to dislodge it from its orbit. And it's going to fall for all of eternity. Burning, burning and burning. He said, I'm going to make a new heaven. I'm going to make a new earth. Take a look at my kingdom. What all I've got. And the Bible talked about people that wanted to make a fuss with Jesus and catch him in his words. You know, when you talk to people and you try to train them and teach them and try to save them and teach them to save others, and, and you find yourself doing battle with a spirit that is trying to take your words out of context, misapply them. Take something that's meant for one point and apply it to the whole A to Z. You know, and the devil does things like that. What about a God that said, we're going to lay aside all that stuff? And you, in getting this kingdom in your heart through the born-again experience and being able to see the kingdom that he will show you, because he said, I'm going to give you the Holy Ghost. And he said, the Holy Ghost will show you things to come going to teach you and show you. And this great born-again experience is going to expand your heart and your mind about eternal things that are not ever going to pass away. As opposed to that spirit, that enemy, that wants you to get greedy, wants you to live for money, wants you to chase after it. In closing, and I need to close, but there were Ten lepers. Ten lepers. They had cancer. Their faces were and fingers were being eaten away. And uh, Jesus gave them specific instructions. And in their obedience to what Jesus told them to do, that's what happens to you and us, all of us. Jesus gives us through his word, you must be born again of water and of the spirit. You must repent. You must be baptized in Jesus' name, and you must receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And so we, like the ten lepers, in, in our obedience to what he says, we realize, my leprosy is gone, my sin is gone, and we're happy, and we're excited, and our, and, and our light, is, we're given a light, and it's shining. And some of us do just like the nine. One man came back to Jesus and began to worship him, began to lift his heart with his hands. He didn't care who was looking. What did the, little, what did the song say and the little plaque say? Dance like no one else is looking. <laughs> you, know? you know? You don't care about anybody else in that respect, in that regard. And they, he came back and he worshiped Jesus. He thanked Jesus. He showed appreciation for taking away my sin. Taking away the enemy out of my life that was destroying my life. 
And Jesus addressed the crowd that's watching this guy. <laughs> and this guy doesn't care. He's jumping around, he's dancing, he's worshiping, he's happy. He's, he's telling Jesus, thank you. And Jesus is looking at everybody and he says, hey. He said, weren't there ten of you? Where are the nine? Is there just this one come back to say thank you? All the nine were off and running, friends of the races. Some of them literally. And they were running to all the clubs and all the parties because they were being shown because there's an enemy to fight this kingdom of God, this experience in your life. I told my wife, I said, you know what? The young lady. And I said, her mother wants her to, to be involved with a lot of worldly things. She's just a little girl. Introducing her to a lot of worldly things. and um, But God, I said, has intervened. Given a chance here for this young lady. I said, but I can, I said, I wonder what the mother is thinking. I said, because it'll just be a few years and this young lady's going to be pregnant. And she, it, it, it'll, it'll be have a child and then it'll be all over again, another cycle, and there'll be a second. We had a woman come to a, a rally not too long ago and she sat right in the front because it was packed out and there was no seats and we had to put chairs and she sat right in the front. Very pretty young woman. Very pretty young woman. Grew up in a life of abuse. She had four children, maybe five, sitting with her at that rally, right down to the littlest one. And it's just been one after another, same old cycle, same old cycle, same old cycle. That's just the enemy showing you the world and the consequences of getting involved with the world. Let me tell you, Jesus said, he that heareth my sayings and doeth them, be born again, repent, be baptized in Jesus' name, get the Holy Ghost. He that heareth my sayings and doeth them. He said, I will show you what that person's like. God wants to take his youngins that have grown up in the church and have been one to God and gotten this experience. And God wants to show them to the whole city. What did it say of Ruth? Said in her book, it said, All the city doth know what kind of girl, what kind of guy you are. Well, that's one of them guys that goes to the apostolic church. That's one of senior pastors, boys and girls. They're not messing around. They've got the real thing. You're not going to find them standing on the street corner gambling and selling dope and partaking of dope. You're not going to find. Do you know I have been here by the grace of God, Senior Sitzfeld, and I have been here for right at 40 years, and we have not had one young lady in the church get pregnant yet? You ought to be clapping right now. We haven't had one young man involved in that kind of promiscuous lifestyle. Not one. We've had them come here that way. We've had him leave, and as one guy said, he told the young lady, he said, Senior Pastor told you if you left the church, you'd get pregnant. And he said, and I had to be the dope to do it with you. That's what he said. And he told me that he told her that. Think about that. 
and say, yeah, preacher, he, he and I told you so. No, the preachers and I warned you so. Trying to warn you. Trying to stop you from going in the wrong direction, doing the wrong thing. I want to show you the kingdom of God. I want you to see the kingdom of God. I want you to see the stars that are never going to fall. I want you to see the heaven that's never going to roll together like a scroll. I want you to know that in the church, you're not appointed to wrath. Not at all. You're appointed to salvation. I want you to see all the goodness of God. And everybody said amen. Let's give God a big hand. Come on. Why are you standing? Let's sing and worship. Thank God. Thank God. Come on. Paul said, I won't be disobedient to the heavenly vision. Come on now. See this kingdom. See this vision of God. Come on now.
the hearts of the hands. I love you, Jesus. I praise you, holy God. I worship you, holy, great, and mighty King. Thank you for this truth, Lord. Thank God and thank God. Thank you, thank you Lord. Praise the Lord, everyone. Praise the Lord. This time we want our ushers to prepare. Everyone say, God bless the offering in Jesus' name. God bless the offering in Jesus' name.
come on, let's magnify the name of the Lord this morning. Hallelujah, Jesus, you are great and mighty. Oh, God, there is none other like you, Jesus. Oh, God, we praise your holy name. Oh, Lord, we come to exalt you. We come to glorify your holy name. In the mighty name of Jesus. In the mighty name of Jesus. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name. It's good to be in the house of the Lord this morning. If you have a Bible, I invite you to turn with me to the book of Isaiah, chapter 66. Book of Isaiah, chapter 66, and beginning at verse, beginning at verse 1, thus saith the Lord, the heaven is my throne, and the earth is my footstool. Where is the house that ye build unto me? And where is the place of my rest? For all those things have mine hand made, and all those things have been, saith the Lord. But to this man will I look, even to him that is poor and of a contrite spirit, and trembleth at my word. He that killeth an ox is as if he slew a man. He that sacrificeth a lamb as if he cut off a dog's neck. He that offereth an oblation as if he offered swine's blood. He that burneth incense as if he blessed an idol. Yea, they have chosen their own ways, and their soul delighteth in their abominations. I also will choose their delusions and will bring their fears upon them, because when I called, none did answer. When I spake, they did not hear, but they did evil before my eyes and chose that in which I delighted not. And by the help of the Holy Ghost, I want to uh, preach this morning on what it takes to get God's attention. What it takes to get God's attention. Uh, you can be seated this morning. The Word of God tells us here in Isaiah chapter 66, it begins to Tell us in verse verse 2, God is telling us the type of person that he will look upon. And it tells us that the man that he will look on is the one that is poor and of a contrite spirit and trembling at his word. Um, this morning I am very interested in God looking at me. And God seeing me and seeing where I am and seeing what I have need of. I'm very inter interested in getting God's attention. But to this morning I have an understanding that it takes something for me to get God's attention. It takes um, a certain thing from me in order for me to have God fully fixed on me and pay paying attention to what I'm going through and what I have need of and what I need him to answer on my behalf. You will find out that as you read this chapter that there was a problem here because 
God's people, they was doing just any old thing. They was living any old kind of way, but still under the impression that they could do whatever they wanted to do, and still they could offer up sacrifices. They could still get God's attention with their sacrifices. And you'll find out as you read the description here and the description that, that God gives of their sacrifices is uh, pretty abominable. Um, as he began to describe what their sacrifices was like. Um, I want to understand this morning that in order for me to be able to come in and to lift up my hands and open up my mouth and give God the praise that he deserves, my heart has to be in a certain condition. If God is going to hear me, if God is going to respond to me, if it's going to be a sweet uh, savior in the nostrils of God, then my heart has to be in a certain condition. Um, it's important that when we come before the Lord that there is a humility that is there. There is a brokenness that is there. It's important that you're not high, you're not lifted up above measure, but you are broken, you are sincere, and that you are in line with the word of God. I don't know about anybody else, but I want God, when I open up my mouth, I want God to hear me. Not only do I want him to hear me, but I want him to begin to move on my behalf. But in order for that to happen, I'm going to have to be broken. I'm going to have to be humble. I'm going to have to be submitted. I'm going to have to be in line with the word of God this morning. You can be seated. You'll find out that God's people were way out of line. And they were offering up sacrifices to many different things, many different idols. Uh, they was worshiping the gods of other nations as they forgot about God and all the wonderful things that he had done in their lives. Um, I have an understanding that there is nothing that can compare to God this morning. I want you to know that there are so-called gods in this world, but they can't compare to Jesus Christ this morning. I want you to know the God of pop culture cannot compare to Jesus Christ this morning. The God of the sports world cannot compare to Jesus Christ this morning. The God of Hollywood cannot compare to Jesus Christ this morning. They are so-called gods, but I'm trusting and I'm standing upon the one true living God who created heaven and an earth, who that in any minute can begin to move on my behalf, can heal my body, can straighten my situation out. That's the God that I got my hands lifted up to this morning. That's the God that I got my mouth open up to this morning. I'm not worshiping the gods that is running down a field with a pinskin ball in their hand. I'm worshiping the creator of heaven and earth because he's worthy of all the glory and all the praise. There is none like him this morning. can be seated this morning. There are a lot of people that believe that. It blows my mind the amount of people 
that will pack out stadiums or they will sit at home in front of a big screen and they will root, they will shout, they will cheer, they will lift up hands, they will open up mouths, they'll do unimaginable things. You'll find out that those same people will come into a, an environment like this this morning. And those same people will be dead as a doornail. They will sit there, arms folded, mouth closed, just waiting to get out, waiting for the service to be over with. But they'll worship and they'll pour their hearts out to the gods of this world. I don't ever want that to be my mind frame this morning because I understand what God has done in my life. I understand where where he's brought me from, and I understand where he has placed me. The writer said that he brought me out of a horrible pit. He brought me out of a miry clay. He set my feet upon a rock, and he established my goings. I don't know if anybody else is like that this morning, that God has pulled you out of a horrible situation. But if he has, I hope you don't come into the house of the Lord with your mouth closed. And with your hands by your side. But I hope you came to demonstrate how appreciative you are, how grateful you are, how thankful you are. I hope you came with a determination that I'm going to give God everything that I have. I'm going to give Him my every last bit of energy. I'm going to lift up my hands. I'm going to open up my mouth. I'm going to shout unto God with the voice of triumph because He has been good oh come on somebody don't let the world outdo you this morning don't let the football game outdo you this morning you got something to shout about you got something to dance about you got something to leap about you got something to run about you got the real thing this morning Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost in here this morning. Come on. You got the real thing this morning. Don't let the devil cause you to fall back into a corner and be quiet. But you be demonstrative with your praise and with your worship. You get your mouth open. You get your hands in the air. And you thank God for how good he has been. You can be seated this morning. I want to get his attention this morning. I want him to see me this morning. I don't want to just offer up God anything. The Bible begins, the the word tells us how that they begin to do things their own way. And not only that, but they delighted and doing things their own way. I want to make sure that it's not, I want to make sure that I'm not seeking my own way this morning. I want to make sure that I'm seeking his way. The writer tells us that our ways are not like his ways. Our thoughts are not like his thoughts. Um, The Bible tells us that there is a way that seemeth right to man. Man has an ideal 
of what's the right way. But the Bible tells us that the end of that way is destruction. I want to make sure that I'm seeking the right way this morning. I want to make sure that I'm seeking God's way this morning. The writer in Proverbs tells us that the wicked, that they will eat the fruit of their own way. I want to make sure that I partake of the right fruit this morning, but in order for that to happen, I got to follow God's way. I got to follow God's plan. I got to throw my ideals. I got to throw my thoughts. I got to throw my opinions out of the way, and I got to grab a hold of the word of God, and I got to get the way of God in my heart. be seated this morning because I want to make sure that when I lift up my hands when I open up my mouth that when God smells that that he doesn't frown up to it I want to make sure that it's pleasing to him this morning you'll find out that the time came for a sacrifice to be offered up two brothers came before God to offer up a sacrifice. And one brother thought in his arrogance and in his, uh, I guess, know-it-all, he thought that he could just bring God whatever he wanted to bring and that God was going to just be pleased that he offered up something. I want you to know that God is not just pleased with you offering up something, but there has to be the, a right way of offering up a sacrifice to God. It has to be broken. It has to be, you got to be sincere. You got to be humble. If God is going to receive your sacrifice, David said it like this. He said the sacrifices of God is of a contrite spirit. It's of a broken spirit. And that sacrifice God will not despise. Come on, I come broken this morning. I come humble this morning knowing that I'm nothing. Knowing that without God's power, without his strength, I can't do nothing. I don't care how talented I am. I don't care how smart I am. I don't care how many degrees you get. You can't do nothing without the power of the Holy Ghost. You can't do anything without God leading and guiding you and directing your path and ordering your footsteps. I need God. I need him this morning. You can be seated this morning. I need him this morning. So, you're going to have to be broken. I'm going to have to be broken. I have to be humble. You'll find out that in the word of God this is true because you'll see the people that in the word of God that had God's attention, that God was fixed on. And they was humble people. They was low. They, they, their spirits was meek and lowly. You'll read how that God had his eyes on Moses. Moses was God's man. And the Bible teaches that there was no, no, none meeker than Moses was. He was humble. He was broken. Moses was to the point that he couldn't speak right. He stuttered. And he had an understanding that if this thing is going to work out, I need God's help. I need his guidance. David to his brothers and to his, his family, he wasn't worth anything. 
but he was just a little shepherd's boy out writing songs unto the Lord. But God had his eyes on David because David knew how to humble himself. I don't know about anybody else, but I want God's eyes on me this morning. I want God to see me this morning. I don't want God to reject me this morning. The Bible says that God, he resisteth the proud, but he gives grace unto the humble. I don't know about anybody else, but I need some grace in my life. I need more grace in my life this morning. But in order for me to obtain it, I got to come meek. I got to come lowly. I got to be humble. I got to be broken. I got to be submitted to the word of God. You can be seated this morning. If I'm wrong, I got to be able to say that I'm wrong. There are times where you, when that flesh rises up, and you struggle knowing that you're out of line and knowing that you're wrong, and, but flesh just won't let you utter those words. You know, I'm wrong. It just won't come out because pride has taken control. It's got you lifted up. But I want to I wanna be able to examine myself this morning. Now, if I'm wrong, if I'm out of line with some things, then I want to humble myself and I want to make it right with God. And I want to let God know that I've been wrong and I've been wrong a long time, but I need your grace. I need your mercy. I've come to repent. I've come to, to turn around from the way that I've been acting, the way that I've been thinking. I've come to get some things in line with you. You want to know something that gets God's attention when a person is broken and they come to an altar and come with a godly sorrow and let God know that I need your mercy. I need your grace. And not only that, but when they make it up in their minds that I'm going to go down in a watery grave and I'm going to bury this old man. I'm going to bury this old nature. I'm going to bury some old habits and I'm going to open up my heart. I'm going to open up my mind and I'm going to let God fill me with his spirit. I'm going to let God change me. I'm going to let him shape and mold me to what he wants me to be. Nothing else, nothing else gets God's attention like that will. Nothing else will get God to begin to look upon you and begin to work on your behalf when a person submits to the will of God for their lives. You can be seated this morning. Because I want God to be with me. I want him with me. When I'm on the highway and I'm driving on the highway and all the other nuts that are driving on the highway, there are some crazy people, crazy drivers out there. So I need God to be with me. When I'm on the job, different things are moving around, different spirits are moving. I need God to be with me. So that those spirits don't affect me. But I got to know what it takes for me to have God with me. I can't just assume God is with me. There are a lot of people that are under assumption that God is with them. And the truth is, he's not. Because if you don't have his spirit, God is not there. But I need him with me. I need to know that God's with me. And there's nothing more. There's no greater way to know that God is with you is when you repent of your sins 
and you get baptized in Jesus' name, and you get filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. Guess what? When you leave these doors, when that happens, God goes with you. God is in your home with you. God is in the car with you. God is on the job with you. When you are full of his spirit, you don't have any doubts. You don't have any questions about it. Come on. He said, lo, I'll be with you even until the end of the world. You want God with you? You get his spirit, and he will be there right beside you, leading and guiding and directing your path. You can be seated this morning. You'll read in the word of God how that Joseph and Mary, they went uh, to a diff- went to the, the, the yearly uh, Passover feast, and they took Jesus with them. And the Bible tells us that when they left to head back home, they assumed that he was with them. They assumed that he was there. They didn't check. They didn't make sure. They assumed that Jesus was with them. But they found out that he wasn't. And they searched for him for days. And they went back and they found him in the temple teaching. And the Bible tells us that he told them, must you not know that I must be about my father's business? They thought he was with them, but they weren't. I want to know before I leave these doors this this morning that Jesus is with me. I don't want to go under any kind of assump- assumption that I think what well, this person told me. I want to know for sure. And when you get filled with the Holy Ghost, with the evidence of speaking in other tongues, you know without a shadow of doubt that God is with you. Come on, I encourage somebody. Go ahead and yield to the power of the Holy Ghost. Let God transform you. Let him shape you. Let him mold you this morning. Let him fill you this morning. You want his attention? Get his spirit. Get baptized in his name. Turn from your own ways and begin to follow his way. You'll get his attention this morning. You can be seated this morning. I want him with me. I I, I want my heart to be pure this morning. I want my motives to be right this morning. I want the air to be clear this morning. I don't want it to just be lip service. They fell into a trap where they begin to just offer up lip service. What they were saying really, they really wasn't meaning it. It really wasn't sincere. I want the words that come out of my mouth this morning to be sincere. I want it to be real. I want it to be true. I don't want it to just be something that I've learned to do. I don't want it to be a a going through the motions type of a thing. Because Jesus knows this morning. He knows the heart of man this morning. And the Bible says that in one place he told them, he said, these people, they draw close to me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. It's not even, their hearts are not even on me. It's on Who's playing who today? It's on what I'm going to eat later on today. It's going. It's on what I got to do when I get home today. What I got to do on the job. Their hearts are far from me, but their lips, it's just lip service. It's just words coming out. I want you to know, I want my words to be connected with my heart this morning. I want it to be connected. I don't want my heart to be off 
in somewhere, somewhere in the far distance, and I'm just uttering words that really doesn't have any feeling, but I want it to be connected with my heart this morning. That's the only way that I'm going to get God's attention this morning. That's the only way that God is going to begin to move on my behalf this morning, and I need him to move on my behalf. I need him to revive me. I need him to restore me. I need him I need him to transform my mind. I need him to renew me with his spirit. I need to be filled with the Holy Ghost for the very first time. And and the only way I'm going to get it is that my heart and my words are connected this morning. Let us remain standing in the house of the Lord this morning. So, I want God to see me. This kind of a man will I look upon. And that word man is not not talking about men only. It's talking about mankind as a whole. That's men, that's women, that's boys, that's girls, everyone. I want to have his attention this morning. I want him to look upon me. I I don't want him to look past me. I don't want him to pass me by this morning. But I need to get some things right. I need to to be broken this morning. I need to be humble this morning. I can't kick against things. can't fight against things and think that God still hears me. I can't always be contrary to things and push against things and, and try to push the envelope and kick against things. That's not that's not that's not a good thing. That's only gonna hurt me when I begin to kick against the things of God. You'll find out that Jesus asked Paul, the word came to to Saul at the time, and he said it's hard to kick against the pricks. Only person you're gonna hurt is yourself when you try to fight against God and fight against the will of God and God's plan. You're just hurting yourself. I'm not interested in causing myself any kind of pain, any kind of unnecessary hurt. But I want to submit this morning to his will. I want to be broken to his will, broken, and I want my heart to be humble because I need God to hear me. In these evil days that is just getting worse and worse, chaotic, I can't go a day without God hearing me can't go without a day God reaching down and touching me and strengthening me and giving me what I need to make it through another day. I can't gamble with that. But in order for it to happen, I'm going to have to humble down. I'm going to have to submit to some things. You'll find out that God will begin to look upon you. God will begin to move upon you. I got to zip the lip and I just got to obey and humble down and let God Handle his business because he knows how to handle his business. He knows how to do it. I got to have some faith in that this morning. I got to believe in that this morning. I can't let anything cause me to doubt that this morning. But I got to be rooted and grounded that God knows what he's doing. And I just need to go with it. And God will work it out. God will provide. God will supply your every need. But I got to be broken. I got to be in line. Let's lift up our hands this morning.
Let's call upon the name of the Lord. Come on, somebody, call out to him. Come on, don't let anything cause you to fall into the trap of thinking that you can do whatever you want to do and however you want to do it, and you still can worship God. You still can serve God. God doesn't accept that. I want him to see me. I want him to look down upon me. But I got to be humble. I got to be contrite. Come on. He said I dwell in the, he said I dwell in the high, in the lofty place. And he says I am with the individual that is of a contrite spirit. I'm with that person. He says I'm with them to revive their spirit. Come on, I need God to revive me this morning. I need God to give me something fresh, something new this morning. But I got to come humble. I got to come broken. I got to come with my hands lifted up and my mouth opening and men, God, that I don't know anything. I'm throwing my ideas. I'm throwing my opinions. I'm getting rid of it all. And I'm giving you full control this morning. I'm letting you handle this thing. I'm letting you make the calls. I'm letting you make the decisions this morning. I trust in what you're doing in my life this morning. Oh, come on, somebody. These altars are open. I invite you to come now with your heart lifted with your hands. Calling upon the name of the Lord. Let God shape and mold you. Let God do what he wants to do in your life. Let him have his way this morning. Come on, come on. I realize that only you love me. 